So this is um, the last week that we're going to be talking about True North of Thy Will. Brian Robinson is speaking next week, and he will be, be talking about it. It's like a transition. And, um, and I want to just read something. This is Matthew 15, 8 and 9. Jesus said um, of the most spiritually disciplined people of his day, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by man. And when I read that, I just thought, man, that is the, that is the core of why we work towards the spiritual disciplines is in our life. Is that, so that we don't just talk about God, but that our life reflects how we worship God, how we love God. Okay, And so um, with that in mind, I kind of had a talk done. And um, but as you know, like many of you know, but I I allow what God's doing in me and through me or it's happening to me to kind of direct me. And um, so I sat down to tweak the talk last night and it was just flat. There's just nothing there at all. And um, some of that had to do most of it had to do with just the difficulty that um, some people really close to me that I love are struggling walking through that with Mike, you know, on staff and Jason Pathak's uh, funeral this weekend, um, who's a member of our church, and I was just like, man, this doesn't, Lord, how are you going to work all this out? Like, what's this, what's, gonna, what's going on here? And, um, and this talk definitely wasn't it, right? And so I was like, I can power through, because I can do that. Um, but instead, I just felt like the Spirit say, you need to pray. And so I prayed, and right away, the Lord said, um, there is a discipline I want you to teach. Go find it. Okay? That's what he said. And so I'm like, oh, man, he's going to like suffering. So I, I started reading about him. I read about suffering. I read it through. That wasn't it. And then I read about sacrifice. I was like, certainly that's going to be, I'm making sacrifices right now. That wasn't it. Read through that one. Then I read through chastity. And I was like, man, we, you know, I don't struggle with that, you know, at all. And so, and never want to. But um, the, uh, and so I'm reading all these things, right? And it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm like, man, maybe that was just me. And then all of a sudden. I read this discipline, I read this discipline, and it just immediately, it just resonates. And the Lord says, this is what you're supposed to speak on. Celebration. The discipline of celebration, the command of celebration. And so I started reading about it, and um, I just want to read you a few things that it talks about. And then I'm going to kind of have to move quickly through the talk. Um, But it says says this about discipline. It says, um, here's a quote. Here's one of the most important disciplines of engagement, yet most overlooked and misunderstood. We engage in celebration when we enjoy ourselves, our life, our world, in combination with our faith and confidence in God's greatness, beauty, and goodness. We concentrate on our life and the world as God's work and as God gifts to us. Okay, so the discipline is made way by a um, living simply is the is the you abstain living simply and then you engage by partying basically is what it's talking about. It's not talking about worship in this space on a Sunday morning. It's outside the temple. It's talking about partying the importance of partying as a family. Okay, and not just partying as a family. Partying better than anyone else's parties, like being the best at this because like the prize we have the best reason to party. Okay, and so that's what, what it's saying here is get together and celebrate who God is by looking 
at each other and enjoying each other and enjoying what God has done in their life and acknowledging that we would have none of it, none of it, if it wasn't for God. And so this is an act of worship. Like all the disciplines, when we get together and we celebrate as a family and we see God among ourselves, we're having conversations, we're seeing how God has blessed us with our children, with our, you know, all of these things, and we're eating really good food and we're, we're drinking really good, good wine and we're celebrating and doing all of these things, right? Doing all these things. It's worship. It's as powerful as worship and important to do as what we do here on Sunday mornings. What we do here on Sunday mornings is all about our heart, our mind, and relationship to God. But God says, whether you eat or you drink and whatever you do, do it unto me. So what does that mean? It means that whether you eat or drink, everything you do, do it unto me. Okay? And so this is God inviting us in to pleasure. And experiencing pleasure and prioritizing worship and being intentional about this. Now, if, you, um, if this is how you live, you live in gluttony, if you live like every day is a celebration, then no day will be a celebration. It's why simplistic living, it's another reason why simplistic living is important. And it's the same with the nation of Israel. They never ate meat except for when they celebrated. Right? So they'd eat grains and rice and... They might have some a little bit, but they, when they got together to celebrate in these big festivals is when, is when they would like bring it on. Like they would bring it on and, and people would see them celebrating and they would be drawn to God. They would be drawn to God. I mean, imagine the lost coming in here on a Sunday morning, experiencing what we do, being, you know, encountering the Holy Spirit. And this happens. This happens for real a lot in our church. And they're transformed and they're changed and they're drawn to Christ. But imagine how much power it would be if we had a celebration, you know, down in the part of our community where there was amazing food, there was amazing drinks, there was amazing conversation, there was singing, and there was dancing, and there was joy, and people were having an amazing time. How much more is that attractive to people who are not part of the kingdom, who don't know Jesus. How much more does that demonstrate a God who loves pleasure and wants to bless us? To the lost I'm talking about. Exponentially. Exponentially. And, I, you know, this, the enemy has robbed us of pleasure. He's robbed us of pleasure and he, he, he's created in us and he, to, to believe the lie that, well, if you experience too much pleasure, then, you know, that's sin, and sin is wrong, and so you better not have any pleasure at all. Don't drink anything, because if you drink, you might get drunk. That's, a, that's an argument of fear, okay? You know, don't, don't, you better not buy, you know, top sirloin steak, because, well, you could be, you know, holding back on that. Get some hamburger meat, have a burger instead, but don't, don't enjoy that for your celebration. Get something less and give the money to the poor, or you better not, you better not enjoy this thing in your life because your flesh will desire it and love it so much you'll become enslaved to it. Are those things possible? Yes. Is that how God designed things to be? No. That's sin and that's a lie. It's an argument from fear. And the church has latched on to it because we like to control our lives. We don't want to take the risk and step towards the pleasures that God has for us in the fear that we will be judged. And the fear that we might stumble and fall. But that's why we have each other. That's why we celebrate together. That's why we walk with each other. That's why we have city groups. It's because when we pursue God with all of who we are, we are gonna, we're going to miss it sometimes. 
And we're going to get it wrong. But that's why there's grace. That's why we love each other. C.S. Lewis says this in Screwtape Letters is a conversation between like senior demon and lower demon, okay? And he's teaching them. He's telling them like what to do and how to use all these, you know, cunning ways to make Christians fall and not enjoy the, the pleasures and what God has for them. And he says this. He says um, in this section, he remarks, uh, when demons are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, they are on the enemy's ground. We've won many a soul through pleasure, he says. All the same, it is his, God's, invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All of our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. Pleasure is the antithesis of the enemy. And it is the heart of the Father to bless his children, for us to experience the abundance that he has for us. And we need to be obedient to this command if we are going to become who God has called us to be. I'm going to read you a, a scripture, okay? Um, but before that, I want us to say this real quickly. Just about the nation of Israel, whenever they, um, whenever they got a king, they had to tithe. And even before that, and they just didn't, have, they didn't tithe 10%. They tithed about 30%, okay? 10% of that 30%. One-third of their tithe, though, went to partying, celebrating, festivals. They spent it on good wine, good drink, good food, good, good, good like conversations and heart players and dancing shoes and all of these things is what they spent. They, that's what the command of the Lord was. You spend this on this. Okay. Now I'm going to read this. This is Deuteronomy 14. And my guess is that most of you have never read it. And I will say this. This isn't a license to do what you want, when you want, and how you want. I'm not saying that it's okay for you to indulge in alcohol all the time or, like, just, again, be a glutton. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is those things are pleasures that God has given us. Now, if you struggle with alcoholism, that's in your family, and you have decided not to do that, that is, that's great because that's you walking in love. That's you serving and loving people that might be around you that stumble in that area. Um, but we don't define we don't define the measure of Christ and the pleasure of Christ with brokenness and people who struggle with alcohol. There's a broken part of their life that they've had to adapt to to be healthy. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, and so want to be sensitive to that, especially in this this little story here. It's Deuteronomy fourteen twenty two to twenty six. You shall tithe. All the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord, your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. It's talking about worship. Okay? And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, then you shall turn it into money. Not like magically they sell it, okay? And bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire. Oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. 
And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice with your household. Right? That's a command. That's a command. Jesus, first miracle, what is it? Water into wine at a party. Not an accident. Okay? Now, what, so basically what's happening is that a tenth, of, they would take their grain and what they grew and all this stuff and oil, things that came from the earth. And they would take this, right, and they would bring it to Jerusalem where they would celebrate and have a party. They sacrificed this meat. They would eat it. And uh, the smoke that would rise would be symbolic of the Lord's presence being with them. And, uh, but if they couldn't make it, like it was too far because they had like a big old cattle or like, you know, an ornery sheep or something that they had to drag or whatever, they made a concession. The concession was stop where you are, you know, crack open the fire and party, like celebrate the Lord with your family. Celebrate the Lord with your family with the understanding that the Lord is present with you. The Lord is present. This is worship to the Lord. That the Lord finds pleasure in this. That you learn to fear the Lord means that you have an understanding of his authority and his power and his goodness and his blessing in your life. And that none of this, none of this that we have would be possible without the Lord. That's what's going on here. That's what the, the discipline of celebration is. Right? And so isn't this consistent with what we always say? We have a good, good father. Right? Yeah. We sing that. We sing that. Well, what would a good father want to do? Bless his children. With what? With the abundance of everything that he has and that he has given to us. Everything. All of it. He desires for us to have and for us to enjoy. Right? That is consistent with who we say the father is. That, that everything flows from the father's love. We say that. So everything flows from the father's love. Okay? Where does this discipline come from? The desire for the Father to experience His love and celebration. That is, that is the source of this desire, is a Father that is good and a Father that loves us and a Father that wants us to celebrate who He is and what He's done for us. Okay, now, this is, um, this is another slide I want to read. Holy delight and joy. There we go. Holy delight and joy is the great antidote to despair. This is why the Lord made me read this or do this sermon right here. Holy delight and joy is the great antidote to despair and is a wellspring of genuine gratitude. The kind that starts at our toes and blasts off from our loins and diaphragm through the top of our head, flinging our arms and our eyes, and our voice upward to a good God. That's why we do throwdowns, right? This is why we celebrate. It's a great antidote to despair. People, the poor, the brokenhearted, and the Beatitudes, God talks about the poor and the brokenhearted, how the kingdom of God is theirs. And then at the end of that section, he says, rejoice in that day. This is when they're suffering, Right? When they're broken, when they're poor, when they're hungry, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. Your reward is great in heaven. The prize is in heaven. All that God has given you, all that he is doing in the midst of your brokenness, my joy is complete. Our joy becomes complete in the Lord as we celebrate who he is, even in the midst of our brokenness. You know, 
spiritual, all the spiritual disciplines are, are necessary, and this one needs to be balanced, right? But whenever you're suffering, whenever you're suffering or whenever you're struggle or, or whenever things are happening in your life that are taking you out emotionally, you know, praying is really important for people to come along with you and pray. Uh, it's really important that, that you're seeking the Lord and, and spending time in the, in the Word. But there's nothing like a party to pull you out of despair. There's nothing like a party, right? And so I'm having, Laura and I are struggling. We're having a hard weekend or a hard week. And uh, out of the blue, someone just, they, they text us and say, we want to take you to dinner. And they took us to this really nice dinner. And they listened to us and, you know, Laura cried at the end. And, you know, I mean, because we felt loved and we felt valued and they pulled us out of the situations that we are dealing with and our pain and brought us into the Lord's presence as we celebrated his goodness and his faithfulness and the joy and the, and the blessing that he had for us in the midst of our brokenness and our struggle and our, you know, our hearts just really having a hard time. Do I want people to pray for me? I got a ton of people praying for me right now for our family. I got a ton of people. Is that important? Absolutely. But so is the party. So is a celebration. Because it does something that nothing else, no other discipline can do in our life. It complements those disciplines. You know, because, again, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy your life. He'll flip and do it. He will kill, steal, and destroy your life. I break that in the power of Jesus. That's not saying he's going. But I'm just saying a reality is. Jesus tells us, you're gonna, there's going to be tribulation, but I've overcome the world. So we celebrate that overcoming of the world. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And celebration lifts us above that so that we can experience the abundance and remember, no, this is who God is. This is who he is. I don't f- feel like that right now at all. My heart feels like enemies crushing it. But I remember who you are, Lord. I remember the promises in, in your, that you've given me. And he's saying, Antley, I want you to receive pleasure from me in the midst of your pain. To remind you how good I am, that I am a good father, that you can trust me. And I only have for you good things. Even though you don't feel it. Even though you don't see it right now. This weekend, um, it was a, uh, a time where we, like I said, it was Jason Pathak's funeral. And... Um, in the funeral, uh, we had the graveside. It was sad. And then we came here, and the next day we had a celebration. And our staff was amazing who pulled that off. And, uh, and I kind of emceed it and did some stuff. And they, it was beautiful. And um, they had, I mean, so much food. I mean, more food than I've ever seen. And I, I thought maybe 20 people were going to come. And he's like, no, there's going to be a lot of people. So he brought, like, food for 200, right? And this expectation of the celebration. And he said, yeah, you can share on the microphone. If you have, you know, you know, you want to say things. If you want to sing, they're all. He's from DA, and um, and so we, we started that, and people started to come up to the mic and share stories about Jason, about how he loved them, how he cared for them, and how uh, they loved him, and and just the joy that they had, the fun that they had, and they talked about practical jokes that they did, you know. And some people cried when they were trying to express their heart uh, for Jason and how they felt. Everyone just kept saying how. Special he made them feel all the time, that he was more interested in how you felt, right? And so all these things are happening, and, and, and I mean, people came up and sang, like, it was, it was flipping power. It was crazy powerful, right? And so why, what was going on that made that powerful? Well, they, one of the things that several of them said was, I'm so glad that I'm here celebrating with you, because if you're here, 
then you love Jason. If you're here, then I know that Jason loved you. So what's happening in that? They're worshiping without even knowing it. Jason, a believer, would say that everything that he is to other people came from what Jesus has given him, the joy that Jesus has given him, the way that Jesus laid down his life for him. And so they're commenting on Jason, but really talking about God. Really talking about God. And so if you're a believer sitting in the room, I'm sitting there saying, like, why is this emotional for me? It's because I'm seeing God reflected in the life of Jason. I'm seeing God worshipped. I'm seeing God lifted high for what he had done in Jason's life. And it was bringing in this celebration. People were experiencing pleasure. They were experiencing God's goodness and his abundance and what God did in this person. Well, right? That was my knee. What God's done in this person. It was so incredible. It was so incredible. You know, one of the things that um, we do, and uh, you might have heard this, that we do as, as a family is that at someone's birthday, we say, you can go anywhere you want. You can go anywhere you want. And um, I've trained my kids to get, like, low country boils every time. This is my favorite food. <laughs> and so, yeah, if you want to bless and encourage me, give me some low country. All right, so, so um, and when, when we're there, one of the things we do is everyone goes around and shares what they love about that person. And we just thought it would be good because it was, like, kind and it would be encouraging to our kids and stuff. But I've come to learn that it's worship. That's what's happening there. As we're identifying God's thumbprint on that child. We're identifying God's goodness in that child. And that if it wasn't for God, then that would not be there. That would not be there. And we praise and we celebrate and we pray for them. And I mean, I've seen my kids break down. Laura and I cry every time. Every single time. Like our kids joke about it. Oh, mom and dad. You know, Laura cry, then I'll cry, whatever. Because it's a celebration of what God's doing in our kids. And there's nothing more important. There's nothing more important. Well, there's nothing more important to the Father than the celebration that you acknowledge that He's doing in your life. There's nothing more important. And He gives us this tangible way where He blesses us in celebrating together. Okay, just in closing, one of the prayers, whenever the disciples ask Jesus, how should I pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven, right? And we use that all the time for healing. All the time. And it's true. We want that. Your kingdom come. And heaven is going to be perfection. There's going to be all these amazing things. We're going to run and not grow weary. I said that about Jason. You know, all these amazing things. But there is going to be a banquet. A crazy banquet. A banquet like you have never seen before. So that we will celebrate, fully celebrate. We are healed, we are being healed, and we'll be fully healed one day. We, we are going to experience God's pleasure. We, we are experiencing God. We have, we have, we're experiencing God's pleasure now as we celebrate. But one day, we will experience pleasure in the Lord that we could never understand or experience here on earth. Because of the abundance of God's heart. And he will show us that through a big feast. Through a big feast. It says this in Isaiah 25, 6-9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples. This is a prophecy about heaven. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. Rich food talks about the fattened calf is what they're talking about. The best, the best meal, the best meat, the best grain, the best everything. People, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, Full of marrow. Just skip over that. It's good, though. It's supposed to be good, all right? 
You go in restaurants now, they have like marrow. They have like marrow things. Like I accidentally got it one time. It was nasty. You eat the like middle of the bone, all right? Of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the scolding of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. That's exactly what's going on in Deuteronomy here on earth. But it's being prophesied that this is what it's going to look like in heaven. This, they talk about worship. This is about salvation that he has done for us. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've wanted. This is what he's created in our hearts and desired for. This magnanimous experience of his love and his pleasure poured out on him through the demonstration and experience of a massive, incredible feast. That's what will come one day in perfection. But today, the invitation is yours too. Let's party. Let's celebrate. I know you're thinking about something. My church likes to party all the time. Party. All. I don't know. That's what you're thinking, right? Churches that play, to, play together stay together, right? Right? Okay. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's go and end on party all the time. <laughs> 